Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dismantling You podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Pineda. In this episode, I interview Elise Mencius from Seattle Sperm Bank from a recent Instagram Live. Our topic is on male infertility and sperm preservation. In other news, I am super excited to announce my first book, Finally Freaking Fertile, using yoga, meditation, and breathwork to conceive, is officially published. Yay! And it's now available on Amazon in Kindle, paperback, and hardcover editions. Now, my idea for the book came with the realization there aren't many resources to support our fertility journey. And this book offers the best guidance I have based on both my own personal experience with IVF, along with helping hundreds of women overcome their fertility struggles and achieve successful pregnancies. Whether you're trying to conceive naturally or using fertility treatments, the tools I'm offering here, yoga, meditation, and breath work can help you out in so many ways. Stay tuned now for my conversation with Elise. Happy National Infertility Awareness Week. What an exciting week of events that I have lined up for you. I'm starting off this speaker series live with Elise Mencius of Seattle Sperm Bank. And uh, our hot topic for today is male infertility and sperm preservation. So if you have any questions along the way, feel free to just type them in the comment box You don't have to wait till the end of our conversation to join in and we'll be sure to address them. I see that Elise is here, so I'm going to permission to come on live with me. So stand by everyone and get your questions ready. Uh, Let me know. There she is. Welcome, Elise. How are you today? Good. A little close, I feel. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, hi, hi. I'm so happy to have you on with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm wearing my orange in support. My, oh, lovely, <laughs> lovely. I'll have to uh, break mine out. And uh, so I'd love for our uh, audience to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, and I know that you, um, and I'm going to dive right into some hot topic questions, but just let's give our audience some context uh, about uh, you know, where we're going. Um, I'm so happy, first of all, to say, um, I want to say thank you again for joining me on my Instagram Live. You provide such a great service for men and families. First of all, tell me what drew you to Seattle Sperm Bank. Yeah, um, it's the people. I um, So I was working in at another company and doing something very similar to this. So um, I was I was in the field, I was around, and at conferences, I was always chatting with the SSB team and taking their fun items, Um, and so when I heard there was an opening, I jumped right on it, you know, and it's been such a great place to work. They've been um, so supportive as I've struggled with my own infertility for the past couple years, and not only that, but watching people work late and work extra and like really put in hard work for clients who are struggling with it. It just, it feels like such a great place to be and it feels like the right place to be. 
Good for you. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about some of your educational background, because, you know, I know that, you know, you have, you had mentioned a personal experience. So I'd love for our audience to just get more familiar with that. Yeah, so I um, actually have my master's in clinical reproductive science. Um, I started off with biology, though. I'm a huge fan of biology. It's what I studied in my undergrad. Um, and when I took this class called embryology, I uh, fell in love with it. Um, and it was really hard to get into a lab and get that training. As soon as I graduated, there weren't a lot of opportunities. So I ended up working a little bit in pharma, um, biotech, med device, and doing regulatory and quality control um, positions at those places. Um, but my husband actually encouraged me to go get my master's because I like my, my love for the field never stopped. And I was constantly talking about it and reading articles and staying up to date. Um, and I was actually accepted at the Jones Institute at Eastern Virginia Medical School, which happened to be the first um, you know, I where the first IVF baby was, uh, where they went through treatment in the U.S. So it felt really um, cool to be there. Um, and that's where I landed. And then after all of that, I discovered, um, I had my diagnosis of secondary infertility. So oh. I stepped onto the other side and went through that experience. Fascinating background. And it's, it's great to hear that it came full circle for you. So I'm going to dive right in and just ask you, should men get fertility testing when they want to start a family? Yes. I mean, male factor infertility accounts for a third of all of the infertility cases. And really, I mean, it takes both egg and sperm to make the, the baby. So um, this is half the equation. So uh, you know, it's normally the, the female partner or the egg source that's going through all of the fertility treatment, even the proactive uh, doctor's appointments, but the male component is equally as important and part of the overall fertility assessment. So, I mean, men are less likely to go visit the doctor than women on average. So take this opportunity to just go get an overall wellness check. Um, it's a great way to start. Such great advice. So what are some of the things that can cause male infertility? So male infertility can be caused by something congenital or something that that individual was born with, or it can be caused by something later in life. So starting with something that um, a person can be born with, it could be a structural issue in the reproductive tissues, it, like a blockage or something functional. Um, or it could be something hormonal that's preventing um, proper sperm production, you know, and that could be part of, that could be brain related, that can be endocrine system related. Um, on the other hand, later in life, there could be a surgery or trauma in the reproductive areas mm. that can cause issues because of that. Or um, something like a varicocele. Varicoceles are very, very common or undergoing um, chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Good to know. So what are some of the signs and symptoms of male infertility for those who are trying to figure it out? Yeah, the physical signs are going to be really tough because this is someone's normal. Um, something like, in examples, retrograde ejaculation. So that's where um, the ejaculate, instead of going out in the way that we all think that it should go out through the penis, um, some of that ejaculate actually goes into the bladder. And this isn't painful. And in the end result, you just see a lower volume. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's someone's normal. 
you know, so you don't know that, oh, that was a lower volume than normal. You're not inspecting your ejaculate for the most part. And even if it's something big like the cloudiness or the color, that's still your normal and you don't have samples to compare it to. So for the most part, um, I don't think individuals are going to notice any physical symptoms unless it's erectile dysfunction or there's going to be pain. Like occasionally varicoceles can cause pain. Um, but of course, if you're, you know, a couple who is attempting pregnancy with a female partner and the female partner is under 35, the definition is longer than 12 months. And if that female partner is um, over 35, then it's six months. But in the end, if, if you don't feel like something is right or you um, just don't, you know, you, you want to go get help, it's better to go seek advice sooner than later. You know, it's, it's very easy for a doctor to do an assessment and say, hey, you know what, give it a few more months than it is to go backwards and try to get those months back. Absolutely. Good point. Get it checked out right away. <laughs> so CBD and THC are such hot topics. Does CBD and THC, do, do they have a huge impact on male infertility? These are hot topics, especially with our donors. You know, everyone, are, are you going to check? So there are definitely a lot more studies that show that CBD and THC have a negative impact. Mm. And it is very widely accepted that cannabis is going to have a detrimental impact on both uh, female and male fertility. Um, but it's, on the other hand, it's not a birth control method. You can't say that you can use these products and prevent pregnancy. So if you are actively um, trying to become pregnant, you are actively trying, the best thing you can do is look at your diet and lifestyle. Those mm. things can go a long way in creating a healthy body and a healthy reproductive system. Um, and it, it, keeping in mind, it takes three months from stem cell to full sperm maturity, it takes three months to get brand new sperm cells. So whatever, you know, you're exposing your body to today, it's going to take three months to get a brand new sperm cell that was not exposed. Um, and with all that being said, if you're not actively trying to become pregnant, this isn't a birth control method again. So you're going to want to use a more reliable method. Um, I think in the end, you want to reach back out to your healthcare professional. They're gonna be the best source of information for your unique case. And you can get a semen analysis and just check out where you are. <laughs> yeah, good point, get tested right away. So I know, and everyone else knows that, you know, when it comes to age, female fertility is a huge factor, but how important does it impact male fertility? Um, it does have an impact, you know, a lot of attention is on the female age or the egg source age and the ticking time bomb that is our ovaries. And certainly that is true. Um, but male um, or the sperm source also has an impact. And, you know, you're going to see men producing sperm throughout the duration of their life versus women who are not producing eggs for the duration of their life. Um, but later in life, as they're continuing to produce sperm, what you see more often is a decline in quality. And specifically, it's the quality of the DNA being carried in those sperm cells. You see a lot more breakages in the DNA strands, which leads to um, in, you know, lower chances of pregnancy. Um, and that's when you're going to see a lot of um, early pregnancy losses. Mm, good to know.
So can men freeze their sperm for fertility preservation? Yes, absolutely. Um, so we frequently work with men who choose this as an option. Um, we're seeing um, someone who knows they're going to be undergoing a cancer treatment and they're planning, you know, they know it's going to have an impact on their reproductive health. And so we can schedule, um, you know, a batch of freezing. So it's prepared for treatments later. Um, also, if, you know, it may not be at the top of someone's mind as soon as they get that kind of diagnosis. So even if they don't have a lot of time, still coming in and getting something frozen is better than nothing when you know you're gonna have an impact. Um, another situation we see is somebody who is active military and they're being deployed um, and they wanna start a family, you know, and they've had this in their mind. If you're deployed for 18 months, you may, you know, that makes it tougher. So freezing for treatment is another opportunity for your partner to continue on your family building goals, even though you're not physically here. Um, another good reason is going through hormonal treatments. Mm. So if you are transitioning, it's a great way to preserve, um, that reproductive tissue. And then later on, you don't have to worry about, you know, if you want to do family building, you don't have to stop your hormone treatments or go through something that could not only be um, physically hard, but mentally hard to, you know, once you've, you know, gone through some sort of um, transition or gone through that, you put in the work. Um, but even if you are just concerned with aging, that is still a reason, you know, uh, we see women freezing their eggs for that reason. And uh, it's not going to hurt. Absolutely, can only help. So great, great options to know about. How can you tell that there are male infertility issues? Um, yeah, so I can only speak for what we see in our donors, um, but going back to those, you know, those other items that we talked about earlier with something being born with, some sort of trauma, um, but in our donors, the first thing we do is a semen analysis mm -hmm. and um, we're going to do a microscopic evaluation and we're going to look at um, the sperm motility or how they're swimming. We're going to look at the volume, the total volume of the ejaculate. We're going to look at the concentration, um, how many sperm cells are actually there. And we're going to look at morphology or how the sperm are shaped. And really, we're looking at um, two parts. We're looking at the sperm themselves, the cells that are in there, how they're swimming, their total number, you know, what they look like. And then we're also looking at the semen or the fluid that is surrounding. Um, and we're looking at the volume and other cells that could be found there. There's white blood cells. And if there's a lot, you know, that could mean an infection. If there's red blood cells there, that can mean something else. So this is going to tell us a lot about what this individual produces and um, if there's anything we should look out for. And um, we normally are going to do this multiple times because it varies day to day. So we ask our donors to do two before they move on to the next step. <laughs> Good to know. So what are some of the, uh, the common reasons that cause poor sperm count in men? Yeah, so um, besides having a varicocele or um, a functional issue, uh, we see a lot of medications and supplements, surprise. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, things like certain antidepressants can cause um, issues with, with sperm count. Um, 
hot tubs are a big one. And, (laughs) you know, you may not think about that, but the, you know, they need to be at a specific temperature and a hot shower won't do it, but a hot tub will cook them enough to drop Mm -hmm. the count. And going along with that, that theme of that temperature is if somebody had um, an illness, like just like a flu where they got a fever, it can have the same impact. Mm. And again, it's going to take three months for us to get sperm being produced again after they've been exposed to that higher temperature or whatever they've been exposed to. Um, but it comes back. Um, other things to include on that list are smoking, um, recreational drug use, mm-hmm. uh, certain types of lubricants. So there are um, lubricants that aren't spermicide, but just aren't sperm friendly. And so you want to look for specific sperm friendly lubricants. Um, Kind of a a big one is also stress and finals week. Mm -hmm. So we'll see donors coming in, you know, we know that it's finals week and we see all the counts kind of drop, (laughs) Um, you know, and it's getting that sleep, getting that water, um, maybe taking that week off and donating the next week. Right. Um, but general health, your overall health. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It sounds like lifestyle is a huge factor, no doubt. What are some of the ways that men can boost their sperm count and their health overall? Yeah, so um, some go-tos we tell our donors are stay out of the hot tubs. Um, don't put laptops in your lap. Mm, good point. Um, you can't avoid getting an illness, of course, but, you know, make sure you're staying hydrated, drinking lots of water, um, get plenty of sleep. Uh, and then some foods that you can um, that you can eat that will help, in, you know, promote sperm health are, you know, like walnuts and fish and almonds, stuff that are going to increase your folate, omega fatty acids, your selenium, your B. 12 your or your vitamin d all those kinds of things that are um just good healthy building blocks for cells and organs it's overall wellness for your body you know what's good for your body is also good for your reproductive um, system uh another thing is exercise you know part of the reproductive system is having a good healthy circulatory system because you do need to have an erection mm-hmm. for the whole system to work so um, cardiovascular, you know, getting that exercise and you don't have to be a bodybuilder, but right. getting up and moving <laughs> daily will help. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Works hand in hand, no doubt. What are options through Seattle Sperm Bank for men who have exhausted all their efforts and are now turning to donor sperm? Yeah, so um, something to say about, you know, men going through male factor infertility is we see a lot of couples and individuals come to us who know that they need donor sperm. We see LGBTQ couples, we see um, single women by, you know, who are being single mothers by choice and they know that they're, they're missing a sperm source, but often somebody with male factor infertility did not realize that they were going to be using a, a sperm donor. And so our team is help, you know, here to help navigate through the process, you know, every step of the way we're here to help hand and help you you know there's no dumb questions and I think a lot of people come to us and they're like oh this is going to sound dumb this is I don't want to ask this ask us you know see it all and a lot of us have gone through our own family building journeys and we understand you know that this is hard um so we're really here to 
you know, give consultations and to talk through the process, you know, and we understand things like you're going to want a donor who matches the characteristics of your partner um, because you want your child to look like the rest of your family. You want your child to look like they're in your family. Um, not that you're trying to hide anything, but it's nice when you look like a cohesive unit and that feels good. Yeah. Um, so we're here, you know, we, we hear that and, um, you know, something else that might, uh, come up is genetic compatibility. Mm -hmm. If the egg source is a carrier of a genetic condition, yeah. we're going to want to make sure the sperm source isn't also carrying that condition. And we have genetic counselors on staff who again can help those reports get very complicated <laughs> who can help, um, help you understand what that report is saying and, um, show you the compatible donors and, um, really talk through what, what your options are, you know? So we're really here to help support. What services does SSB offer specific to male factor infertility couples? Yeah, so I think again the free again all of our services, our extra services are free. So that one on one consultation is going to be big, where you can really just say, "This is this is my wish list." You know, make that you know how what can we do with that? Um, another thing that's really awesome is our photo matching service. So it's not an algorithm. You don't um, put a photo in and it it kind of spits it out, we hand select it. So you're going to tell us it's really important that, you know, that our donor has this ethnicity or this skin tone or this jawline. And we're going to take those features and look for those features in our donors. Um, even if you just needed a second set of eyes, you have a handful of donors, you're like, oh, these ones look great, but I'm feeling a little nervous. We can help walk through that too. Just, you know, this, we get to know our donors, we meet them. And we see them weekly, so um, I personally don't, but the rest of the team does who will be doing these. Um, and it's just a big, um, it's a big supportive network. Yeah, absolutely. Peace of mind counts for everything, right? <laughs> so we touched upon it earlier, and I just want to dive deeper. What about people who are going through something such as cancer treatment before they have children? Is there something they can do? Yeah, so this falls into the category of fertility preservation. And to expand on it more, you know, we're going to have, um, you know, someone's going to have that kind of diagnosis, and that's going to be really heavy and hard. And if they have time, you know, before they're starting treatment, then we can set up a schedule, a collection schedule. And then that way, um, down the line, when they're ready to build their family and they're ready to go into treatment, it's not one vial, and then they're, you know, worried about making that one vial work. They have a whole collection. Um, on the other hand, it may not be at the top of someone's mind, and they may not have a ton of time before they start treatment. And so it's about getting them in immediately and getting as, as many donations in as we can. So we're not going to hold them up to the same schedule. Um, but again, in both cases, we're going to be able to store them and use them for future family building goals. And we understand that this can be a really extremely um, stressful event happening in your life. So it's kind of nice to not think about what am I, you know, think about kids down the line. You know, you yeah. can kind of put that away, get that out of your mind and then focus on today. Yeah, absolutely. So good to know. Now switching gears, Elise, I love to ask all my guests what they do for self-care. And I know <laughs> you're a woman who does it all. Tell us what you do to de-stress, to get grounded. 
You know what? That's hard. I have a seven-year-old, and sometimes it feels like de-stressing is just like getting caught up on a TV show. Right. You know, it, it, it does feel like a lot. Um, there is a great show on Netflix called Headspace, and I it's sort of like it. a guided meditation series. Ooh, that it's sounds amazing. Wonderful. I'll have to yeah. check it out. Yeah, it's great. And I'll get the whole family. We'll all sit down and we'll go through an episode together and it wow. teaches you different techniques and we can then all reflect on the day and kind of unload and be a little bit lighter as a family. Um, yeah. Other things I like doing is I'm getting my pedicure done alone. I love getting in a book whenever I can, um, even if it's a few pages at a time. Um, and cooking a good meal, um, not like your everyday dinner. I want something hard so that I yeah. have to like, really focus on it and get things right. Find like the weird spices and visit multiple stores. Wow. It sounds like you go all gourmet. <laughs> yeah, wow, I try. Amazing. I can't say anything looks good, but I oh, feel like I'm, it's on the taste. <laughs> I'm sure it does. Wow. I wish I was close by. <laughs> I can definitely pick a pot of gumbo for you. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. Amazing. Wow. So, Elise, before I let you go, I'd love for our listeners, and especially since this will be replayed on IG, where they can connect with you, especially if they are close by and uh, want to just uh, ask a couple of questions and come yeah, into the so consultation. Yeah, so we're here at Seattle Sperm Bank um, on Instagram. You can always send a DM in, and we'll kind of triage and get you to the right place. It's normally me back there. Um, you can also just go to seattlespermbank.com. There's a little chat box on there um, and lots of information on the website. And I want to give a quick shout-out about male fertility to the Baby or Bust podcast uh, with Dr. Laura Shaheen. She just interviewed um, Dr. Paul Turek, he, who's the urologist, just about male infertility. It's the most recent podcast episode. So there's a wealth of information over there, too. To oh, wow. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that resource with our community. I want to thank you again for joining me, Elise, during NIAW. This has been such an informative conversation. You gave us so much uh, to digest for male infertility and sperm preservation. Thank you so much to you and to our audience. And uh, I wish you much continued success, Elise. Thank you. Thank you for having us here. My <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> My pleasure. And uh, thanks again to our audience who stopped in. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye. <laughs>Thank you so much for listening. You know, it's these mindset shifts that truly make a difference. If you like this podcast, share it with someone and be sure to leave a review. Till next time, here's to dismantling you.